us have the God-given power to create our lives. Look what I just created. Each of us has the God-given power to create our lives. And we each do exactly that. Each and every moment. Because everything we think, feel, say, or do is shaping our brain. And our brain shapes our being. And as my friend and neuroleadership facilitator, Marty Rose Keith says, a happy brain is a happy life. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say to them, I have a good brain. And turn to them and say, my brain can help me have a happy life. And you're already doing that because you're here. Now, we know that sages for millenniums have been teaching us how to do practices that help us get centered, reduce stress, regulate our emotions, have inner peace, right? But what do we know about our brain? Where does consciousness begin in our body? God, and then from God, where does it come through to enter our body? The brain. Consciousness enters the brain. So what do we know of the brain? Well, really, in all of human history, very little. Until 25 years ago, because of technology and medical imagery, for the first time, we have tons of research, even though we're just at the start of understanding the magnificence and mystery of the brain, we're starting to learn how training the brain, how the brain in every brain is think, feel, say, or hear affect our health, happiness, and well-being. amazing. And when you learn how to work that brain, it's like giving fuel to your spiritual practice, understanding what you're doing to rewire your brain to be happier, to have better relationships, healthier, live the life you want to live. So how do we know that this makes any difference? I mean, we've been here, we've heard it all before, right? Why is this any different? And by the way, hi everybody. It's really good to see you. Hello to my friends, old and new. It's so good to be here. Wonderful to see you. Hello to live stream and the entire world. We're here to bring the brainstorming ideas of greater presence, light, love, and peace with the new technology we have in the room today. So let's see who can help us understand the magnificence of this for us. Nuns, of course. In 1986, there was a research study with American Roman Catholic nuns. 678 of them agreed to give detailed reports of what they did every day, as well as have, you know, cognitive, physical, genetic testing done in a longevity 
studied, meaning it goes on for decades. The, the point of it was to see, you know, about age-related disease and to study this really stable group. I mean, who's more stable than nuns? You always know where to find them, <laughs> right? To study this group as they aged and see what we could learn about aging and age-related disease. Well, the results really created a landmark study. So what happened is when the study began, they said, oh, by the way, researchers, did you like the autobiographies of the nuns, the sisters? They wrote it when they were 22 and they entered the convent. That was like in the 30s and 40s. Would you like those too? Because they said, sure. So they looked at the autobiographies and they coded them for positive words, neutral words and phrases, and negative words and phrases. Then, over the years, when the nuns aged, it became anywhere between 74 and 95. They correlated the research. What do you think they found? The nuns with the uplifting, positive viewpoint, mindset, verbalization, lived a decade longer than the less cheerful nuns. A decade longer. And you know what else? The nuns with the positive attitude seem to be immune from what? Dreaded Alzheimer's and dementia, whereas the ones who had less cheerful attitudes, more neutral outlook on life, more prevalent, a decisive more, amount more of dementia and Alzheimer's. There's more to this study, but I'm going to tell you later. But is that amazing? I mean, that just blew my mind and said, I cannot let negative thoughts come in. Because it really hasn't, though I've been teaching this for years, it's like now it's really clear. Positive thoughts affect our lives. So why is Reverend Susanna teaching about the brain? Kind of seems odd. Well, if you follow me on Facebook, you might have heard. You see, years ago, 1994, I was walking up, Man up Broadway in Manhattan, fell flat on my face, unconscious. Kind Samaritan took me to the emergency room. CAT scan was taken, and I had a brain tumor. I had brain surgery. It was removed. And I give thanks to all the practices that I used to keep me positive through that experience. I believe that's why I was a success. In fact, my doctor calls me his success. And for years, I, I mean, I've seen so many people who have had brain surgery, and I'm so lucky. But about five years ago, because of a genetic predisposition and the brain surgery, I woke up one day with a screaming headache, debilitating, awful. And it just didn't go well. I mean, nothing like that. I did everything you're supposed to do, and everything anyone can think of doing, and it wouldn't go away. It was chronic, intractable migraine. And it has been quite a growth developer, quite a fertilizer for my soul. And I needed something. I mean, I was this close to going on disability, and I needed to find something that could keep me productive and ahead of the game in my life. So I really dove into these new 
strategies that were coming out of some neuroscience. And I don't know how to tell you from my heart how much they changed things for me. I mean, the amount of stress that was reduced, how much more I could get done with so much less effort. It was just like, oh man, we've been living life long. We need to let our brain show us how to live. And so that's why I'm here today, because I want you to know this information and make your life easier. And that's why now I go into businesses and organizations and teach them how to leverage neuroscience to help people accomplish more with less stress and less time. What's important, you understand, your brain is your greatest asset. Your brain is your control center. It controls your emotions, it controls your body, controls your thinking. All this affects your relationships, your success, you know, how you relate to people, how you live in the world, how you approach the world, how you move in the world. Everything is through this, your brain. And the thing about the brain, you know, conclusively, it loves novelty. I mean, it needs novelty. You get a jolt of happiness with novelty, which is why you're always looking for something new, something better, a new dream, a new wish, a new desire, a new passion. Always, always, always. And that's good. We want to be in that desire, that uplifted idea of good, of grace, unlocking potential. It's good. Do you feel the energy of that in your body? The other side of it is that by the age of seven, you were programmed into your thoughts. I mean, it's a good thing. You had to be programmed into the way that you think, the way you perceive your life. Otherwise, you'd have to go around and be thinking about breathing and blinking and how to get from here. I mean, you'd have to think about too much. So, so much of it is unconscious because our brain is so amazing. But the downside of it is, how much of your thoughts are the same thoughts that you thought yesterday? 95%. So if you're trying to make a change, if you're trying to get healthier, if you're trying to think more positive, if you're trying to bring out a new side of yourself, start a new life, create a new self, and you think the same way you did yesterday, the day before, the day before, how far are you going to get? Brain science, neuroscience strategies are showing you tools that rewire the pathways in your brain so that you can effectively make those changes. How many of you know the word neuroplasticity, know what it means? I'd say about three quarters. Neuroplasticity is basically that, I'm just going to use the easy word even though it's not the exact year, we'll say by 2000. Before 2000, we thought the brain you were given is the only brain you got. It was a good brain with a high IQ, very adept and worked well. You were lucky. If it was a bad brain, had foggy thinking, got depressed often. Too bad. 
Your brain is your brain is your brain, and old dog can't learn new tricks. But with neuroscience and the brain imagery, you've been able to see that what you think about, you do bring about. Because your brain, with what you think about, you say, you do, and your lifestyle, changes your brain form and function. In other words, every minute of every day, you're wiring pathways in the brain. If you do the same thing every day, you'll get the same results. In fact, of your brain, what you use flows. What you don't use, you lose. So with neuroplasticity, you can change your brain. Got that? So what's so cool? <laughs> Here I am, a minister teaching brain science. Don't tell anybody. But neuroscience is really teaching the old mystical secret that we used to be thought of as woo-woo and got no credence. But now there's thousands of studies proving that what we do changes the brain and changes our life. So this is good. Say, amen, this is good. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. So good. It's really, really good. But the thing is, for us, you know, we always want something new. Like, give us something new, give us something new. These are things we've been doing. But we're learning how to use them appropriately now so that they change our brain. And also, we're learning what our brain needs because there's a lot we don't know about what the brain needs that will help us achieve our hopes, dreams, visions, and goals. So let me give you an example. Everybody talks about meditation, right? Like only about five years ago, meditation and mindfulness became cool in organizations or corporate culture. Only five years ago, before that, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't use that word in a corporate environment. This is the reason. There's a plethora of studies that prove that when you do meditation, not just relaxation, relaxation is good, it releases the stress, decreases the cortisol levels in your body. That's good. It, it's good for emotional regulation as well. But when you do focused meditation, you bring your mind to one point. When it wanders off, you gently bring it back again and again. What happens? You increase the size of neural tissue. What this means is that the area of your brain that's known for memory and learning, this is called the hippocampus, it grows and expands. What I didn't say is the bad news. If you're under high stress, stress is like a, a you know, like a, like a lawnmower of cells and tissues in your brain. And, and you can lose your ability to remember well if you're under high stress. It can actually, you know, like, like cut down logs in your head so you can't remember. And, and it can go away if you're under super, super, super high stress for a long time. You're bulldozing your brain in the hippocampus for memory. But with meditation, you're reseeding it. You're repopulating it. People with... Uh, um, Regular meditation practices 
they have neurotissue that's expanded. They have more cells in that area. You could build up your learning and memory. You're also building up the prefrontal cortex, which means that you could think better, make better decisions, be more creative, be more innovative. It also regulates the emotions, have less stress. This is one example of so many different ways that you can train your brain for what your objective is. Uh, let's show another example. Who loves visualization? I do. I love visualization. Daydreaming. Did you ever get yelled at for daydreaming? My drama teacher said, Susanna, you're just so spacey. Yeah, it's spacey. Well, a man from Ohio University took 29 people and he put them in risk tasks for 30 days. And he had another group of people that were the control group, that nothing was done but the same group. The first group in the risk task had to, for 11 minutes a day, just think about flexing their muscles. Just think about it. Five days a week, 11 minutes a day, 30 days. At the end of the study, they took off the cast and measured the two groups. One group did nothing. The other group had the cast. Didn't do anything physically. Just thought about it. Their strength doubled. We don't know the power of our brain. We do know your brain is your greatest asset. I think of my brain like my puppy dog. Honestly. Because when Sienna was a puppy, she was all over the place, you know? My brain can be all over the place. But I trained my puppy, and she became really good, well-behaved companion. Was of service to me in so many, so many ways I couldn't even possibly begin to tell you. That's what can happen when you train your brain. And there's many ways to train your brain. For everything that you're looking for, if you want to regulate your emotions, there's ways to train your brain for that. If you're looking to reduce stress, there's ways to train your brain for that. If you're looking for more energy, there's ways, or motivation, there's ways. You know, whatever you're looking for, innovation, creativity, habit setting, so much to the brain, so much to your life, so many ways for you to train your brain. The one thing it takes, it's not like, oh, I'll do this meditation and I'm cured. <laughs> oh, I wanted to add this one thing. You know, I hate to admit this. I really do. Because I really want to be who I want to be. But i got to admit to you, the last five or ten years, I was under a lot of stress, a lot. And my thinking wasn't as good as it had been before. Now, this is anecdotal. I can't say that this is true for everyone. But I, I'm not surprised that I have a health challenge because I look back at my thinking. I had let go of some of my practices. Maybe. I think so, but I don't want to say it. Cause, you know, in science, you have to be absolutely for sure. <laughs> So today we have, so I've been doing a lot of training, and there's so much more to go. You have to, it's like going to a gym. If you want to train your brain, you want to, you know, it's like we used to think enlightenment would come to you and you'd be enlightened. 
now you have the tools, tools to take you step by step up the mountain and build your muscle where you train yourself to come from higher ground. I had a client came to me. She had changed her business. She was so overwhelmed in her new business that she'd sit down at her computer and she had things she was supposed to do and she worked out of her home, so she ended up doing her laundry. She goes mower lawn. Got nothing done. Was getting nowhere. And she came looking, you know, her face was drawn, somewhat wrinkled. Her hair didn't look so. She just looked worn out. So we started talking about what she was doing that could interfere with her getting something done. And what we saw was the overwhelm was due to her not understanding what her brain needed. I mean, you're supposed to sit down, put your nose to the grindstone. You know, work hard. She wasn't doing that. <laughs> no, the brain doesn't need that. The brain can only maintain focus for a certain amount of time, and then it needs a break. So when she learned that she could sit and focus, and when she stopped, she could go outside do her thing, you know, like, do, do whatever she wanted. Go get some errands done, and then come back later. She had a two-hour period where she would get so much done. She didn't understand how to work her brain. But once she understood how to work it, she just went, and she, I mean, I saw her again. She looked healthy. She looked happy. She was, she was seeing herself move forward in her life to where she wanted to get. Your brain is a roadmap for that. Your brain is a roadmap for that. This afternoon, we have a class from 1 till 3 where we're going to touch on some of these wonderful, wonderful strategies and tools that are going to help you be happier, healthier, more whole, better memories. Good ones that have immediate results that you could take home with you and work on. In our world today, the opposite. The words that come out that we hear on a daily basis are far from positive. It's actually really entertaining. It's really easy to get drawn in to the fight, to the battle, and hate, and hate, and be angry. We have an opportunity to observe that, but not the other. And bring to ourselves that which trains our brains to come from higher ground, which will bring more health, happiness, and wholeness to ourselves. It will bring it with the tools we can share with our families, our kids, generations to come, that will help spread it out that positivity is the way for our health, happiness, and wholeness, and hopefully to bring more peace to our nation and our world. Amen, amen. Take a moment just to imagine goodness, love surrounding our nation. I don't really know how to segue from message into meditation, but this is my way. 